you know, and I think once we know our life song, that we understand God's value for us, that gives us the strength and ability to to focus others in that direction, you know. Yeah. It's really good. All right, well, welcome to a very special episode of the Shock Absorber podcast. Uh, my name's Tim Bealhartz. I am the children's minister here at Soul Revival Church. Uh, Joel, our digital pastor, is on a very well-deserved break this week, hoping to take his family down to the beach, which is a little pertinent uh, yeah. to our story today. Um, but I'm joined here by our regular uh, co-host, Stu Crawshaw. G'day, Tim. How are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling great. Excellent. And uh, our special guest this week is Dave Lovell. Welcome. Morning. How are you guys? G'day, Dave. Dave, uh, we're here because uh, you are part of an organisation called Christian Surfers, and so we want to hear about the story of Christian Surfers um, as an expression of missional ministry, which is one of the paradigms we've looked at over this season of the Shock Absorber. Um, but first, just wanted to introduce yourself a little bit to us, uh, who's in your family, tell us a little bit about your current role in Christian Surfers, and then we'll sort of head backwards in time and hear about the history. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. It's actually the first video podcast I've done, so yeah, right. cool inaugural experience. <laughs> yeah, like I said, uh, my name's Dave. I live in the Sutherland Shire. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Wendy been married for over 30 years now got four kids all grown up two grandkids and life's pretty good at the moment yeah <laughs> but I was actually born in the UK so I was born down in the surf country of Cornwall on the far south coast of, of that country and so I guess that's where my uh, beach origins began Great. Uh, so currently you're the regional coordinator for New South Wales at Christian Surfers, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So what does that mean for you? What, what does a day-to-day, week-to-week uh, look like for you in that role? So it's a voluntary role. It means that I sit as part of the national team. Uh, we meet three to four times a year, um, try to face-to-face. The last two years have changed that paradigm significantly, so... We just spent a four-day weekend now doing a strategic plan for the next three years. But um, my weekly role is really looking after the beach beach fronts uh, that we have a presence in through through my area. So I probably mentor about 30 young leaders and I keep in regular contact with them, uh, pray for them obviously, support them through the resources of the movement. And we really tend to individually look so that with CS there's not really one uh, plan fits all or one model fits all. The model is that it's an organic movement, but we look at each beachfront community and the question is, what do you see as the greatest need and how can we meet that need? Mm -hmm. So it's a constant process of relationship development, evaluation, and just walking out life together, really. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm. Uh, we're going to hear a lot more about uh, your history and uh, the history of Christian surfers um, and how what started uh, here in Sutherland Shire has actually become an international movement, but more on that in a little bit later. We like to start every episode by talking about a cultural artefact, um, and uh, you've been, just before we started recording, we were talking about a really fun one from your experience. you want to give us a little bit, uh, you know, some of your favourite um cultural experiences <laughs> yeah. well surfing and music was formative in my younger days like being born in the early 60s 
And so my formative years coming into the early 70s, I think uh, surf punk <laughs> sort of formed awesome. formed my my memories in my youth. So one of my most memorable experiences around that was if you're into that sort of genre of music, you may know the Ramones, yep. uh, they're an American band, but I was travelling in my early 20s and ended up in London. And I was hoping to actually see The Clash, which was another major punk band in that time that I was into. But I saw the Ramones were playing down on Brighton Hotel Pier, so we ran down there on the train and managed to get tickets to get in there, walked in the door and realised we really didn't look like the... We <laughs> were looking. We were the surfers, we were the travelling surfers with long hair, T-shirts and, and jeans, but the rest of the pub was just wall-to-wall London punks of the early 70s, so if you think or know of the Sex Pistols, yep, that's what it yep. looked like. And uh, once the music started, it didn't really matter who we are. <laughs> and I think that's a good model, really, to think about. Like, does it really matter who we are? You know, we can still enjoy life together. And we were in the middle of the mosh pit. My wife's quite short and small, but she loves the music. And she was getting knocked down on the floor. They'd be the first ones to pick her up and carry her, you know. And it was just an awesome night. There wasn't one breath of, of trouble, just pure enjoyment. <laughs> did, did they do the whole safety pins and the mohawks and all that? Oh, yeah. That Unreal. was all full on. So yeah. what year would that have been? That would have been maybe 80, 83 or 4. Yeah, maybe? Unreal. Yeah. yeah, Unreal. Yeah. yeah do you like, do you like uh, Radio Birdman as well? I do. Yeah. Great Australian band. They're a great Australian yeah. band. Yeah, I love Birdman. Rob Younger's classic. Yeah, he is. I think he still lives down there, Illawarra there yeah, somewhere. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've seen him live at Sydney Uni a couple of months before lockdown and yeah. they're still going yeah that's um, amazing they're in their 70s i think and they yeah. were they were rocking on too yeah. yeah once it's in your blood it's in your blood eh? it. a bit <laughs> like surfing it is yeah. <laughs> um so this season of uh, the shock absorber podcast we've been asking the question does um the youth have a image problem with the church uh and so as we think about the shock absorber model uh, we're thinking about the listening to those who um, are at the forefront of cultural change uh, and how listening to them help us to adjust as a church. Um, and so a shock absorber needs the flexibility of those who are uh, younger and those at the forefront of cultural change and it needs the strength and the stability of the institutional church, those who are older in the faith and so those who are working together. Um, or even just adults too, hey Tim? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and so the other thing we've been talking about this season is different models of ministry. Um, and we've been talking about the, the missional approach was one that we looked at. Uh, Chap Clark was the one who wrote up that chapter in the Four Views of Youth Ministry. Uh, and his critique was that there is a number of church ministries uh, that sort of stay within the bounds of the church um, and don't get out to uh, where those who wouldn't otherwise have proximity to the church would be. And one of the things we wanted to do with Dave today was to celebrate um, Christian surfers as, as a great example, um, but probably the most successful missional movement to come from Australia, which now has this international presence. Uh, so we want to tell that story today in the podcast. Um, but Dave, you were saying just before uh, that the, all of this kind of starts back with you as a very young child in Cornwall. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about growing up and, and some of those pivotal moments for you there? Yeah, and, and that's kind of in retrospect, but I guess the concept as I've become a believer in, in God, you know, is that he has a unique and innate song for each of us in our life, like our life song. 
and you know Ezekiel chapter three seven says you know just just draws that beautiful picture of God singing over us, and uh, Jeremiah describes that He knew and formed us you know before we were even born, and so as I've grown into who I am, I re- I have a strong realization of that. But as you you know in inferred, I I grew up in Cornwall, and obviously where you're born is where you formed. <laughs> And uh, I loved the beach, you know, it was just part of who we were. My mum was an Aussie, she'd come to England as a doctor and married my father there and so they started their family in in rural Cornwall, she'd take us to the beach whenever we could. And so they decided to pack up and leave there when I was about five or six, so three of my brothers and myself we were taken down, this is before Instagram and take your favourite photo, <laughs> but we were taken to a local art gallery. You know, my dad was actually a bit of an artist and so he said, choose a painting that reminds you of where you came from so that you'll always have that. Mm. And so I remember choosing this painting of, of the, of, I just saw it, this is the beach my mum used to, to take us to, it's called um, Gunwallow. And so I saw the painting and it was a fairly land but that's what I liked about it is this empty seascape of a beautiful wild beach but tucked right up in the back corners this 16th century church and just nestled into the into the cliff and that still hangs on my wall you know because only you know about 10 years ago I began to realize that that was somewhat prophetic over my life but that took a long time to form, you know, because I left, I left Cornwall with my parents and by the time I got to Australia and it was a big upheaval, I think more for my parents than myself, but I mean it was probably we're all in different spaces of turmoil. But as I ended up in school, I was the little pommy kid with a sort of rich plum-in-the-mouth accent and that pretty much attracted an undeserved beating every day because I was different. Mm. And so I, that sort of, you know, in that concept of having that life song, you know, our passions and purposes, I think that robbed me of that because my whole focus became on survival and, and, and surviving alongside my brothers and protecting them. So, yeah, that's kind of where my life in Australia began and, and it kind of carried that theme and and a whole lot of poor decisions that went with that well into my 20s so quite an extended period of time before the lord managed to uh redirect me <laughs> yeah yeah how, how did you become a christian my family w- were, were christians as they grew up but i think uh, as we grew up sorry but they um i think that whole fight for survival and and the the way that we grew up really experiencing you know bullying and racism you know if, if we what we talk about today without you know making it sound too much packaged in that area but i mm. think just that whole decision of mine like i was the oldest and so i i fought and i protected them and well into our late teens and 20s we were fighting and partying but i think i knew that song that I mentioned before was always there, you know. But we become distracted from it because of life. But I remember being at a party and uh, the the host was, uh, or the father of the host was actually a Jewish gentleman. And so I got into a, 
alcohol-fueled conversation with him, which was very amiable, but I thought I knew more than I knew because I sort of had these concepts of the Old Testament and I started talking to him about Judaism and, and it was a good conversation. But in the middle of that, I suddenly realised people were standing and listening and people started to say, Dave, what do you know about God? You know, what about this? What about that? Oh, I remember. And it was kind of a joke, but it was like a sudden moment where my whole world just played out before me and crashed in on me. And before I knew it, I was laying on the floor. Like, And I've been known to lay on the floor at parties before, but different reasons. <laughs> you know, but like I was lying there crying, going, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know what I was sorry for. But I realised as I left that God was breaking me. Mm. And I I suddenly had this realisation that is this the life you want or do you want to know who I am? It was like God was speaking to me. And so really from that point forward I had to make a decision. So my mates didn't see me for ages. I was just working it out. You know, and so, yeah, there was other things that went in into that, that, you know, formed that, like in the midst of that sort of space and working my way through that. Wendy's dad died in a car accident, which was real and raw. But I, I remember clearly that the police came and they were talking to Wendy's mum and we were there and they said, so, you know, this is what he can be charged for and so on. So the young fellow that caused the accident, sorry, where, where he died... And she just goes, she goes, oh, no, I don't want to press any charges. Like, just he's suffered enough. And I'm there going, you serious? <laughs> now, this is me, my now, my innate fight to survive. Mm. Just show me where he is and I'll go and take him out, you know. like. But I remember thinking, how can she say that? You know, I had no tangible connection point with forgiveness mm. and what that was about. And so in the midst of that party experience and that, it became a life search to, wow, like where's that peace? Where does that forgiveness, where does that come from? You know? mm. So it, it was a very, mo- that moment, but it was a growth process over a few years of deciding to, okay, let's attend church with Wendy's mum because that's what her dad used to do and, and just searching that out mm. until one day it became very real and, Wendy and I decided, yep, this is real. We got baptised, we got married, and that was that. <laughs> and what church was that in? Was that Guy Me Baps? Uh, no, would have no. liked it to be. Yeah. No, yeah. it wasn't Guy Me It wasn't Guy Me Baps. I used to um, start ch- attending a church with her, which was St George's Anglican at Hurstville. That's where yep. they grew up. And then we went to Oatley, Angli- okay. o- yeah. Oatley Anglican for a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then as soon as we got married, we started our own house church. And for five years, we ran our own house church, which was was kind of like a Timothy experience. I didn't know much, and yet I was running this house church, and it was a bit like how CS started, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Yep. And uh, so in this process, uh, you, you've got a you love for surfing. You've come to know Jesus. Mm. How does this start to culminate in uh, what would become Christian surfers? Tell us that story. Yeah, like uh, with that love for surfing, I, I intimated that that was birthed out of just loving the beach from when I was young. But in that whole experience of being a young guy at school and just fighting to survive and being in my community, I met a couple of guys 
because I got moved around a couple of schools. <laughs> but I met a couple of guys that, that surfed and, and I go, oh, man, I love the beach. And so I started going like, as a very young, maybe year seven or something like that, like to the beach with them. And that became my escape. You know, I was separate from the little community where I where I was growing up. Mm. I um, and I could go there, and I could just be anonymous, and mm. I could just surf and hang out with these guys. So that was where that passion and that was my escape. But as I became to know the Lord through what what we've already told, I had known about Christian surfers, and I knew Brett Davis, the founder, um, a bit. You know, and so it was sort of a national uh, natural progression that okay, now now God actually is my life; <laughs> He's restored me. I know so many people in this in this subculture that are as lost as I was. That what Brett has started is like just got such tangible reality. Like, why wouldn't I want to be part of it? <laughs> but that you know, that was a good. 10 years after he'd actually started it that I actually got involved at, at a local level at Cronulla. Mm. Yeah. Do you know much about how, you know, the early days, just that, that 10 years before you got involved? Did Brett ever uh, share those stories? Yes, yeah. And there's an awesome book if you want to know it. Like, there's a book called Groundswell, mm-hmm. which just tells the story of, of Christian surfers. And if you don't like reading, there's actually an awesome coffee table version that goes with that Unreal. with lots and lots of pictures, so... Yeah. <laughs> we can so you can go sh- you can go that way or you can read the actual yeah, novel as yeah, well yeah. we've we can um put that in the show notes too so people can look it yeah, up yeah yeah it's a great it actually is a very good read yeah. but um yeah brett davis is the is the founder of that and he that was birthed out of his fa- parents house at Guyamere and then his relationship with Guyamere Baptist Church after in about 1977 mm-hmm. they began that as just a bible study uh, but really just thinking on that point there was a guy before Brett that Brett knows and and who was alongside him the whole way as they journeyed that but his name's Jeff Thompson mm-hmm. and in 1976 he brought the reality of who God through Jesus is to Brett and changed his life and showed him that surfing and a belief in God can go hand in hand. Mm. So, you know, if it wasn't maybe for for Jeff's uh, courage to share yeah. with another surfer that truth, mm. you know, who knows? You know, yeah. it may not happen, but then, you know, that's hypothetical, but, you know, <laughs> that's God the way he works, eh? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Brett and Jeff and a few other guys started that movement out of his parents' lounge room. And then uh, it wasn't only a couple of years after that, I think, they moved into this, the surf house in, in Cronulla and, and sort of created this drop-in space where anybody was welcome. Mm. And that was right on the corner of the Kingsway and a little road opposite Northeast Hotel there. That was a pretty wild place. I've, I've yeah, heard lots there was of great some wild, wild things happened there, but just because people were free to be who yeah, they were exactly. and there was no judgment, mm. uh, there was just acceptance, mm. you know, and, and the, the hope that people would see um, the reality of God through relationship, really, mm. you know. Yeah. You, you were talking to us before we started, um, Dave, about. Um, another passion of yours you really love, uh, Silmarillion by Tolkien. Ah, and, and Great that, author. Yeah. That, that idea of uh, singing a song, that God was singing a song over mm. you. And he brings up that theme in the Silmarillion in one of his books, doesn't he, J.R. Tolkien? Brilliantly, yeah, brilliant. Whether that's your genre or not, I would encourage you to 
just delve into that, even like read the first chapter of the Silmarillion that Stu's mentioned, because as I said earlier, you know, I was just describing how I, I feel that God has that life song over us, and he describes his God character, Ulvata, as the creator, but birthing creation and life through song. And he begins to sing this beautiful uh, song and, and the angels gather around. It becomes this orchestral masterpiece. And as wherever that song, tra- that music travels, it just births life, mm. you know. And, and yet there was the jealousy of another character called Melkor, who was a Satan-like character, but he was his motivation was purely jealousy. So he suddenly begins to sing this discord that weaves its way into the 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 song, but is not the true theme, and and it begins to describe how those that knew the true music heard life, but those that listened to the discord thought it was truth. And wherever they followed the discord, life become less, less colourful, less joyful, less peaceful. And I think that's what life does to us. And, you know, I was describing moving from Cornwall to here and I'm buying that picture, but I never looked at that picture for years because mm. the experience of life tuned me to the discord rather than the song, you know, and it took brokenness to to let me hear that song again but you know i think it's just such a rich concept you know and so insightful by tolkien to to listen and and write like that but i think that you know that's birthed in me the reflection you know god never years are never wasted you know i could either look at those years in, in uh regret or just thank god that i survived and that he can now use that to his glory and so I think is being part of Christian Surface Ministry and knowing that there are so many people that still experience that, you know, like that just that sense of loss, you know, and that my purpose, I feel, is to just orientate people towards God through what I say and what I do, you know, and so that as they become to, to reorientate their focus, that they may then hear their life song. You know, and and then that in that true concept will birth life and truth, you know, with no other agenda that but that they may know, you know, and they may know truth that they may like like John, you know, ten ten says that they may know life and life to the full. Yeah, it's cool, isn't mm. it? Mm. It's really cool how Tolkien's a Christian and he weaves his in in his stories of Middle Earth, he weaves his Christian background into yeah. those stories in a similar way that C.S. Lewis does with. Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah, and, 100%. And when you were talking about uh, Tolkien, talking about the Word of God being like a song, mm. I think Larry Norman picks that up in the in the early 70s. With, uh, he, he did the first rock opera called The Tune uh-huh. and he, t- he sings about a tune that, that God teaches us and then we forget how it goes and it gets all clunky and then right. someone comes along and starts singing the tune again but no one recognises yeah, well, it. That's cool. And apparently The Who heard that album and that was what inspired them to write their rock opera, Tommy. So amazing. So Larry Norman writing that story about God's tune actually inspired that, but that's been forgotten since then. But um, I think wow. that's I really, learned something new. That's yeah, cool. right. really interesting. It's really about, in yeah, develops yeah, that yeah. concept. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a new book coming out about Larry Norman actually that that says that um, 
the Beatles song um, Get Back. Uh, Jojo, is Jojo was a man. Is that mm, yeah, Get yeah. Back? Get Back, I think. Um, yeah, Jojo in that song is Larry Norman with hair down to his knees. Wow. <laughs> so I don't know if it's true, but it's a cool story. But yeah, it's interesting how Christians have been in uh, in all sorts of different contexts influencing different people. And mm. I think that's what's really exciting about today, about Christian Surface, about having Christians like Jeff speak into someone's life and then all of a sudden in a lounge room, that bursts an international movement. God mm. can use faithful steps uh, to do all sorts of things and, yeah. and get that song going again in in the midst of all the... And I think that's a, that's a word of hope today because a lot of Christians are really lamenting how... You know what? What's our next steps? Where do where do we go? Like, yeah. there's all all this cultural change happening around us, but actually sharing the tune, sharing the song with other people about Jesus, yeah. and living our lives to the full and offering that life to others is really exciting. I reckon. Yeah, I agree. And C and CS like is very much you know as I said, it's an organic movement, but it's sometimes very much just a seed sowing ministry, yeah. in that we don't always see God's end game. But we don't need to, you know. Like, there's so many times that I've just met people and just the way that I do life, just create conversations, create space. And I made a coffee for a guy that was working up on my road a couple of years ago. They were just road workers from the council. I was coming home, carried my board under my arm. He just has a chat to me. But I took him up a coffee and he goes, Oh, I saw your shirt, man, when you got out of the car. And I had to see a shirt on. And he just simply goes, Dude, I don't reckon I'd even still be alive if it wasn't for CS. Yeah, That's right. it. Yeah. And he just reiterates this story to me of his life and how that had uh, changed him. Like he, he wasn't saying, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm full-on Christian now or anything, but like he's just simply said I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that time. Wow. Mm. He might have been one of those young rat bags at the Christian Surfers house one night, you know, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. He him. told me his story, like, and how that was, but I'm probably not at liberty to kind of share oh, that sure. in this yeah, space yeah, without, exactly. his, without his permission. But, oh, like, exactly. yeah, it was pretty cool. Though. That is very <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's cool. You were uh, saying earlier as well that um, the way you see that this song playing out and uh, for you that – a um, couple of words you used just before we started recording was, was passion and purpose. Yeah. Um, and that that's born out of relationship. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit more about uh, why those two words, passion and purpose, why they're really profound for you, and then how you seek to engage others through the Christian service community into those ideas? Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think that they're, like I said, birthed out of relationship and it's important. I think... If we reflect back to what surfing is, you know, like back when CS started, it was very much a, a fringe subculture surfing, you know, like not, it's not professionalised like it was now. It was pretty much mm. still the sex, drugs and rock and roll. And, and I think through our passions, we seek, uh, you know, to form an identity around that. And I think that's how subcultures form, like people have a passion and along with that becomes, you know, an attraction to others that share that similar a passion and you you get an identity birthed around those passions and, and the formation of a subculture. Unfortunately, everybody else brings life with that to that subculture and so you end up owning fringe elements of that subculture that aren't really part of your passion and definitely not part of your purpose. <laughs> but becomes um, just an accepted part so you feel that you need to engage in some of that, 
you know, and that's where I think your life song focuses on the discord more than mm. the true song. And so my, my passion in that, if you like, is that through relationship into that subculture where you actually have traction because you share that passion, that you can begin to birth true purpose. Mm. You know, and so then people can align you know, their passion in life with purpose, you know. Otherwise, sometimes you can engage in that subculture and it becomes consuming and you actually lose purpose and you become very lost, Mm. you know. And so I think, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes heaps of sense, yeah. Yeah, and so in that, like it's like I was saying that it's through relationship, what I say and do to orientate people to God so that then they can hear the true life song for themselves. Mm. and then God will work that out with them and you just walk alongside them for the journey. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as Christian mm. surfers, uh, there is a bit of a, a shock absorber element there that there is those who you, you, know, you mm. guys are going into a particular subculture to be at the forefront of that cultural change and mm. to bring Christ into that um, space. Um, there's lots of different subcultures yep. that we can be a part of, but we all have their particular and unique um I guess, discords. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about um, the surfing culture, maybe um, in the 70s when you were first approaching that subculture, but even now in 2021, what are some of the particular discordant themes of uh, people who are in surfing culture today that you need to speak life into? Probably the first one that comes to mind, and I'm also you know, passionate about that too because I've got two two daughters that are young women now, but is the over-sexualisation, and that goes across many themes in mm. our society now, but the over-sexualisation of women in that in that subculture. And and even I was speaking to some of the young girls today, like, you know, you look at... Uh, this is part of our internship program we run. I was having this discussion around identity with them, and I said to some of the girls, like, what do you feel like when you go in to buy a wetsuit? So, and I was looking at some of them, and all the guys, you know, like, now you're coming into spring, so you you might have short arms, short legs. But the girls' ones, like, I go, like, you serious? Like, how does that even keep you warm? Like, they got short arms, and then they're cut like a Brazilian bikini on the bottom. And I go, how is that functional? <laughs> how is that actually keeping you warm? Yeah. It's just purely manipulating their identity. You know, so and I think that's one, you know, I'm just using mm. that as an yeah, example, yeah, exactly. but I think it's very important. So to actually help those young women be valued for who they are more than, you know, the image that's portrayed through through media and, and marketing, mm. you know. And so, you know, that that's an example, but, you know, the, I could probably find many more, but that was that, one that, I was just speaking about last week. Yeah, that's a good example because that, that issue's mm. come up in the Olympics, hasn't it? With the, yeah, the 100%. Yeah, 100% and how they right. wanted to wear shorts and they weren't allowed to. Yeah. And that's, yep. that was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and, the, and an example where that has actually brought change along, along that line too, not so much in the apparel, but in we have had like the last, about probably five years, it hasn't run now, but we have a... Um, surf contest called Jesus Pro-Am and a number of guys that have been on the tour actually came through that as grommets too but it was the first contest in Australia ever to give equal prize money to men and women Yeah, right. and Sia started that. It's mm. really cool. Mm. Mm. You know the movie um, Puberty Blues? Yeah. I mean you and I, I mean you were a little bit ahead of me but you and I grew up 
in Sydney around that time on yeah. in the on the beach, and I went to Kirrawee High School, which was, um, you know, some of the the book was set in Grace Point, which is where yeah. I live now. Do you, do you think some of that was actual reality uh, growing up? Do you think mm. that there was uh, yeah, some do. real toxicity around around the culture in those days? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I agree without going into the details of that book. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I think very much, you know, like from where I, you know, just, yeah, growing up in that space and, you know, the violence and the sex and the drugs, like I said, that was, yeah, it was very much part of it. Mm. Yeah, my dad came <laughs> from Sheffield and he had the same experience as you. So he was a bit older. He was 18 when he came to Australia. Yeah. And the first day he went to a job in a national bank in Rockdale, he walked in. And he said, oh, hi, everyone, how are you going? And the first thing they said was, oh, look, blokes, there's a POMS just walked in. Yeah. And then someone said, the only good POMS are POMS swimming out the heads with with two Greeks under each arm or something like that. Yeah, you right. know, just real racist stuff. Yeah, and yeah. my dad said, oh, my goodness, what have I stepped into? Like, yeah. So, yeah, there's, 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 there was a lot of that in Australian culture. And I think yeah. we've moved along from there, I think. But there's still elements of that, isn't there, in, in yeah. Southern Shire today? Yes, very much, unfortunately. I mean, across... Across all areas, I think we tend to think we we're not racist. Where that comes from, I'm not really really sure. But I think I guess you go back to maybe our convict roots. I don't know. You know the tall poppy syndrome as well. All those things have part yeah. to do with it. But we're not, I think, as a culture, as accepting as. We think I think it's very performance based. Like I grew up and I had, you know, a couple of Greek friends and Lebanese friends when we were young. Excuse me, <clears throat> but um, you know, their acceptance was pretty much based not just on who they were. I can remember, and lots of people would call them, you know, the derogatory terms of wogs or lebs and so on. But they were actually really good surfers, and so their actual performance gave them respectability right it wasn't actually just because of who they were yeah yeah and so yeah it's and a, so christian surfers is bringing that to the culture isn't it it's saying just general like the story about yeah. speaking to the young women last week it's like mm. god values you for who you are and, and yeah we're exactly. all precious we're all made precious in in the eyes of god yeah yeah and if we can learn that you know like what true humility is and and that x value that god puts on people i think it was Tom Keller, is it Tom Keller? Yeah, Tim. Tim. Keller? Tim. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Tim. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, Didn't yeah. think I had it quite right. <laughs> I was listening to something he was saying about, you know, this is just you're saying acceptance, and we can only really accept people truly were if we understand God's value for us first, mm. and that we can walk humbly, you know, before our God, like Micah said. But he was explaining what true humility and meekness is, and. I think in Australia that's a problem Like along those lines that you're saying. I think something that we don't really understand what that is. We think meekness and humility is a weakness. But he was saying that the true Greek word for that, I think it's praos, describes the, the meekness of a war horse. So something wild that is tamed but responsive. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's, that's cool. sick. Yeah, you know, so really you're sick. actually you're willing to go into war under guidance and being responsive to the one that you have submitted to, but it makes you no less stronger or purposeful. Yep. You know, and I think once we know our life song, that we understand God's value for us, that gives us the strength and ability to to 
focus others in that direction, you know. Yeah. It's really good. Mm. Yeah. Um, one of the verses that came to mind as we were speaking uh, about the, the different songs was the verse that Paul talks about in uh, Corinthians that um, for we are God, we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Uh, to the one we are the aroma that brings death and to the other an aroma that brings Life, so there's the idea that we we come singing that That's song great. of creation, yeah. Um, and and there are those who will resonate with that, uh, who are currently hearing that song of discord, and will go, actually, that's that's a more beautiful song, you know. Mm. And, and uh, as you're saying, that's you know part of your mission at CS is to to be that aroma of life, is to come in and to be singing that more beautiful song to a place of discord, mm. um, which is really lovely. Um, now. Christian services has grown. It's no longer just something that happens at Cronulla Beach. Yeah, uh, tell us about right. now, this it's now quite a large international movement. Tell us a little bit about uh, how it's spread, wh- which countries you're in, what the kind of the global presence looks like today. Yeah, phenomenal story, you know, and I really that can only really say that it's had the breath of God on it, you know, to go from a lounge room meeting in Guyamere with you know, a handful <laughs> of grommets <laughs> to a, a presence in a surf house at Cronulla, to the first national conference. So really we, from 77 to 83, so five years or so, like they had the first national gathering of people li- of like-mindedness in Stanwell Park at Stanwell Tops. And we're actually coming up next year to the 40th anniversary wow. of that. Oh, wow. You know, right. and so we're hoping that COVID permitting that we can all meet same place 40 years later. Mm. This is an annual event that we have, but to have it back there. But anyway, so it grew that much in that five years. So like a realisation that God was speaking the same thing to people's hearts around the nation and Brett purposely travelled around to meet and engage with people on that and and form this national identity. And then only... uh, Less than 10 years after that, they decided meeting with YWAM and a couple of other mission organisations that they should have a meeting of like-minded people in Hawaii. So they actually had the first international conference, I think, in the early 90s, maybe 92, I can't remember. You read the book and you'll know the date. (laughs) (laughs) I want these um, plugs for the book, that's great. (laughs) um, And then out of that, they... Actually, birth a thing called International Surf Ministry, I think it was first called. But they realised that, and this could be an important difference, you know, they realised that a lot of those mission organisations were going out to to visit people to try and, in, you know, I don't know what, using clinical language, but to convert them as such. But Brett quickly realised that his heart and the heart of CS was not to go and be over or, 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 or come to something, but to actually be in and part of, mm. you know, and, and change that or just bring change or reorientation I've been describing from the inside out, not not coming in and over, you know what I mean? Yep. And so they actually said, moved away from that and formed Christian Surfers International yep. because the, the direction was different, yeah. Yeah, and um, for those who have been uh, following all the podcasts, uh, last week we talked particularly about Andrew Root um, and one of his uh, well, his book the, in 2007, Revisiting Relational Youth Ministry, uh, was kind of tapping on that same theme, that right. there, are, there are ministries that go 
uh, out and see the other people as um, you know targets uh, and yeah, in a right. crass way kind of you know almost dehumanize the other because you're this there to make a, a missional object of that other person and he was he's saying no 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 let's think um, incarnationally about this using um, the incarnation a lot of Lutheran theology but he, he's that same idea as Brett saying that, you know you come in with yeah. um, and stand alongside and create and share space with them place sharing is the frame is the that's so frame cool is. yeah that's right um and in that moment you are therefore being christ there in amongst them um, yeah. and able to um tie the two languages together to, to sing that song yeah, you know, yeah right. to sing that um, more beautiful song in amongst the discord yeah can i tell you a little story i don't know Please how we're going for time but just along that line of just listening to god in in what you do and say and so a few years ago now, one of the local Cronulla, I've just got to be careful not to say names, but you know, like <laughs> one of the local Cronulla leaders and I were meeting and there's a great team around all those leadership beachfronts, you know, but there was another group that from came from outside. They had a different, slightly different belief structure around what they were doing. Could have been considered a bit cultish, but they saw what CS was doing and they were quite servant hard and wanted to be part of it. And then there was this tension between <clears throat> some of the hand printed tracks that they wanted to hand out, you know, and um, what their sort of ethos was and, and their heart for surfing and being part. And so <clears throat> there was this bit of tension developed and a lot of the young leaders were saying to this other, other, just get rid of them. This is just trouble. I can, it's going to break us, you know. We, it's not who we are. And there's this whole lot of tension about, you know, we don't like who, you know. Anyway, there was a lot of conversation. And even my wife, Wendy, said to me, I can't mention her name because we've had this discussion a few times, <laughs> but she even says to me, Dave, I reckon just cut them loose. It's just only going to get ugly, you know, because some people in the community were saying, are these guys part of you, you know, like they said something to my kid about this and so we were kind of putting out fires all the time mm. and so it was like, and I met with this guy and I, I just had this sense of God saying, just love them. And so I said to the, said to him, what's God saying to you? But you know, Do you think that we need to, and he goes, I don't reckon, Dave. So we just started to meet with them and, and share and try to know one another a lot better than just fit into like this organisational structure that just let's know. But over a journey of a year, and we became an agreement on, okay, what are non-negotiables and, and what's you know peripheral. And so anyway, to get to the end of that story, two of their young leaders were they came to camps with us and so but on my deck we finished the year with you know a day and a barbecue of just sharing it at my place and these two guys i'm not cry thinking about it but these two guys knelt on my back deck and go thank you god i never knew the love of jesus was so real and I'll never forget it. Imagine if I'd cut them out, if I'd just listened to the voice of the majority and gone, cut them loose, you know. One year down the track, they're kneeling in tears before God going, I never knew the love of Jesus was so real. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's you beautiful. Know? And that's the difference between being there and coming in alongside and just doing life or coming over into the top with an agenda, you know. Mm. Like, and so that's just is a... 
a tangible story. I think really that cool. kind of, I think that gives that tr- concept traction anyway. It does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great Absolutely. example. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah, one of the, the themes of this podcast has been mm. uh, how do you institutionalise um, ministry which is seeking to do those kind of, you know, relational mm. type things and without losing that. Um, and that's a really beautiful story, just a very recent story for you mm. to have um, heard that. Um, what does it then look like to be, um, I guess, institutionalising that, that model of ministry but at a global platform? Yeah, I think one of the strengths of Christian Surfers is that it's non-denominational for a start, so we don't have to take on <laughs> and own some of those boundaries that when you're within an organisational de- mm. uh, structure like that. But we walk very carefully alongside and value those beliefs and and things that people hold dear in tradition and, and so on. But I think it's... Uh, walking hand in hand with people that come from those traditions and and being willing to have the discussion. Like I I explained with those young guys in Cronulla that okay, what is really a salvation issue and what is <laughs> what is peripheral to that and, and how can we actually focus on what's important and what's not important and just be willing to have those conversations. So those conversations happen all around the world all the time for us. And culturally as well, and sometimes we, you know, some countries we can't be as overtly Christian surfers, like some countries have a a pseudonym name because they can't really wear that religious banner, if you like, you know, just for safety reasons more than anything else. Yeah. So we're willing to even compromise on that if you you see that as a compromise. But... um, you know, so you know, well, they are mission, big discussion. There's a lot of mission organisations that do that, though, isn't it? Like, yes, there are, know, we, and there are. We had a couple others. go out from our mm-hmm. church to a country where they couldn't actually overtly talk about the mission mm. organisation that sent them. So, yeah, we've kind of travelled mm. through some of those things too. Yeah, and so you use you know that passion of surfing mm-hmm. as a relationship developer, and to yeah, and then you work your way through that. But, you know, that happens, and you asked me before where it's grown. Like I said, you know, I gave you a bit of picture between, you know, those milestones, but now 40 years down the track, we're pretty much on 40 different beachfront representations around this nation and probably over 40 countries represented across the globe. You so know, can you share with us some, some of the countries that you're in? Yeah, like the ones that have major presences, uh, you know, um, obviously America, England, South Africa... France, Germany, uh, the Netherlands, um, nor, uh, Indonesia. Uh, then there's a lot of other minor, uh, smaller countries that, that have, have um, presences there but not active uh, mission groups. And then there's others that, you know, where it's happening in or that I can't really mention as yeah, a country sure. on live. Yeah. But... Yeah, so there's quite a lot. And there's people continually working. So it's run into Christian Surfers Internationals now run out of South Africa. So the head office is in South Africa mm-hmm. under the directorship of Roy Harley, mm-hmm. uh, who, who Brett Davis mentored into, into that. And he's an amazing leader. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have Roy leading it as a movement and Brett still sitting there as the founding father. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I've got here on the website, uh, christiansurfers.net, 38 affiliative nations, 175 local missions and over 1,000 volunteer leaders. There you go. It's not bad for uh, some yeah. that's birthed out of uh, Cronulla. You were saying yeah. earlier as well that um, actually if you go down to Cronulla now, there is, there, there's a plaque, is that right? That yeah, when Cronulla a few years ago became registered uh, 
Surf Heritage Reserve. So just for the history of surfing there. But one of the mentions on that plaque on the alley, if you go to the podium at the alley there, uh, outside sea level now, but used to be Joe's Milk Bar. <laughs> but uh, there's a, it tells the story of the local board riders, but it mentions Christian surfers as the the one one board riders that has now become a national international movement. Yeah, yeah. that's really lovely. Stu, do you have any other uh, questions you had to ask for Dave? Yeah, Dave, I'm interested in a uh, couple of couple of things. Um, tell us first of all, uh, what are some of the things that people can get involved with with Christian surfers? Like you, you mentioned, you do uh, yeah. the. Uh, you, you do some things like paddle, paddle for poverty. You've, you, there's yeah. some other things. Do you want to give us a heads up on some yeah, of the things Christian do. Surfers are doing at the moment? Yeah, we do have a, just a community events that people mm-hmm. can be part of. But there is a way if you really want to know a little bit of more and regularly sort of update and want to know about what's happening, you know, nationally and across the globe, you can subscribe to become what we call a team rider. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually... You can buy into that if you want. So there is a team rider pack available through the website that will give you CS merchandise if you feel like wearing a T-shirt or, you know, but but you'll get regular updates for that. But if you don't want to sort of – that gives some financial support with, mm. with, you know, some representation that you get, a cap, T-shirt and so on. But you can just sign up for a regular newsletter that costs you nothing at all mm. and that will keep you updated. Um, you can go onto the CSA website and just have a look. So it's broken down into regions. So if you were – Obviously, if you're listening to this in New South Wales, you go to New South Wales Central Region and you'll see all emissions or the beachfront representations listed there. And there's, you can just make con- all the contact of those local leaders are there. So you can just see what's going on. You can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. And then there's, you know, uh, advertised through there are different events that you're welcome to be part of. One that you mentioned locally that we do, Paddle Against Poverty, which is, again, limited by COVID the last couple of years, but uh, it's just as, you know, you get a sponsor and you'd come and do a five to nine K paddle, depending on how fit you're feeling on the day, <laughs> but you don't actually have just come and do it because there's plenty of support. There's jet skis there. There's a boat there. You get lagging in energy, just jump on the boat and they'll drop you back up the front of the pack and somebody will push you to the end, <laughs> but it's just very welcoming. So just to be part of that, but that actually funds, an international project that we we look after called Mercy Huts in Indonesia, in Timor, West Timor, Indonesia, on the island of Rote, and uh, you can be. We have also have a compassion based arm which is called Groundswell Aid, which just to to seeks to to come alongside impoverished coastal communities globally. So there's a lot you can be aware of and just mm-hmm. you know look into you know, and you could find a niche that you're interested in if purely joining a local group to surf and hang out some of them run as competitive board riders so if you've got that competitive edge you could join the actual board riders uh you can join social events but yeah there's uh, plenty there it's all on the website all on the website yeah uh also what what do you see the future of christian surfers what are you excited about the next five to ten years um well, we look three years, five to ten years is a long way down the track. Yeah. But yeah, I've probably in ten years, I don't know, it's a bit like the mafia, you never leave the family, but how much of a role I'm going to have in ten years, I don't actually know. <laughs> but What about three? Brett's always been there. But three years, we've really had a strategic look at what makes up the surf community. So obviously, like it's changed from very the very initial 70s concept of being a, a short board rider and, you know, very male-orientated 
to now the diversity of craft that people ride, a, a total acceptance of, you know, especially in a Sutherland Shire or any, any beach community you live in, it becomes like a very holistic part of your identity to go to the beach. And so it embraces now, uh, you know, partnership between surf clubs. We're back in the 70s, you know, clubbies and board yeah. riders. So there was nothing other. but yeah. fight, fighting, yeah. you know. Now, now there's this holistic sense of where we really can engage across the community, no matter what craft you ride, what your origins are, you know. And so, yeah, a, a very much deeper concept of what, what surfing is and how we, like I said earlier, that it's quite fluid in how we, we meet the needs. And so our first focus is look at your community, and see what you see as the greatest need uh, on that beachfront is. So, That's really cool. Mm. And for local churches too, what do you think is the role of local churches with CS? How can we work better together in that space? I think is to uh, just know who we are, to start yeah. get to know something about us. Look, we have a lot of leaders in whatever, they go to a number of different churches, so we have good relationship with them but I try and encourage those leaders to have a conversation with their pastor to let them know what they're doing and who they are and so then if the church can be aware of that engagement of those young people that are in their church to start with or what the movement's doing outside the church is to firstly pray for them you know there's there's a real strength that I see as, as a, in my position with working alongside and supporting those leaders of the ones that have a strong, open dialogue with their with their church, and to those that are really relying on on me or others around them to support them. So really, we form a network of spiritual support. But like it, the leadership of Christian surfers is very much servant-hearted. I mean, Jesus' model, isn't it? Mm. So we don't direct it from the top. We support it from the bottom up. Mm. And so, you know, I think it's important. And sometimes, you know, without due criticism, that I think that's a hard concept for some churches. They like to take ownership of something. So if, mm. a, if a, a leader goes to their church, they see it as a ministry of that church. You know, and don't see that as a criticism. I think that's the model we try. We that happens sometimes, but to realise the strength of Christian surfers is firstly non-denominational, and and that it it has that fluid dynamic to adjust and change organically. But we one of the changes very much that you might have been questioning is that we do have a very strong governance too, mm. um, that complies with the law of the land and. Yeah, you know, so just with WHS, with child safety and all yep. those policies yep. that you have to to be part of. Where if you look back in the seventies when it started, you know, we probably ended up would have ended up in, in not through anything tr- terrible, you no, know, like no. the church has gone through in some areas, but just through poor, especially WHS practice yeah, yeah. and just road rules and also, you know, it was quite raw and organic, you know. You didn't have enough cars, you just jam them in the boot and drive them out to the reefs, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. like that sort of thing. That's what everyone was doing. So governance, yeah, governance has grown and changes is very yeah. responsible. We have good, strong policies on mm. all those legal issues, but we have the ability to be flexible and changeable because we have that organic origins i guess yeah. that seek to be innovative and authentic in what we do i, th- I think if i could ask one more question too mm. tim I, I, mm. I was wondering how can we pray for you personally and and support um things that you're doing dave yeah. on the on the new south wales central coast 
I think coming out of COVID is going to be because it's changed a lot of the way that all of us mm. have done life, isn't it? And so really getting some traction back with, you know, even getting the Cronulla board riders thing back up and going because we haven't been able to run that for a couple of years. Mm. You know, some leadership's waned with change over that time. So I'm really seeing that there'll be a newness and a looking for some new leadership in those areas. Uh just for a fresh vision, as people probably are a bit wearied by the period, uh, they come out of it with excitement and enthusiasm. Mm. Uh, for myself, to be honest, I was sharing this in our um, vision planning over the last weekend, is that, you know, I don't know, I'll, I'll be 60 pretty soon. And so that, you know, just to have, I've been trying to, to grow some good un- leadership under me, but... Mm. A question I put out to the whole national team was whether whether that's actually created a barrier. So I've been in my role for probably f- more than f- 15 years now wow, looking after terrific. that. Yeah. But whether people, you know, that creates an unintentional barrier that people go, wow, is that something, oh, I can't do that, you know, Dave's yeah. been doing it too long, yeah. or whether I can actually create you know, ownership of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for somebody that, you know, be willing to walk alongside and see the importance of taking that role on. So that's yeah. something you could... Pray, pray for you yeah. for sure yeah so yeah well mate thank you cool. just personally from it's been delightful hearing the stories and <laughs> having you on and we'll have to get you on again i reckon like it'd be really there's nice lots of stories so i'm sure yeah. 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 Oh, look i think we've whether it goes back to punk rock or surfing oh, or there's lots of there's lots we can talk about i think our next coffee we're going to be <laughs> sharing some stories <laughs> of some some uh, punk stories but yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was really delightful mate and really encouraging and thank oh. you for your your um your sharing with us about how CS is just really keen to introduce people to Jesus and mm. and to 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 think that through so much. I think that's something that's really struck me on on today's podcast. Just to sit back and to pray about it and to think about how can we engage with people mm. and help them because there are people that are not listening to this to the song and you know they're yeah. they're hearing it as a as a noise and a yeah. and a and a bad thing. You know how can we help? get the gospel out uh, today and keep thinking of new ways of doing it. So I think yeah. Christian Surface is a, a fantastic example of that. So thank you, mate. That's thank from you. my point of view. Just thanks yeah. for your interest. Yeah. 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 Oh, I really yeah. interested. It's been good experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. To yeah. all you guys out there too. Thanks for listening to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Thanks Dave. Uh, it has been really wonderful to be able to celebrate um, Christian Surface and what God is doing um, mm. amongst you guys and, and, and in that uh, now international movement. So it's really mm. great. Uh, thanks for listening or watching, everyone. It's been great to have your company. I hope you've appreciated Dave Lovell from Christian Surfers. Um, as he mentioned, uh, the book Groundswell, uh, there's the text version or the coffee book version, so you can check those out. We'll have links in the show notes. Um, check out uh, the two different websites, um, christiansurfers.org.au for the Australian one. If you're listening internationally, christiansurfers.net. Uh, we'll put those in the show notes as well so you can find out more about what Christian Surface is doing. You can uh, sign up for newsletters, follow them on the Instagram, on the Facebook. Um, in mm. terms of the Shock Absorber podcast, uh, of course, as always, like, subscribe, follow along. We've got lots more conversations coming up for this season. Uh, there's lots of other things that Soul Revival is doing as well. There's the Chip Lunch podcast where have conversations about what it's like uh, growing up Christian, uh, particularly being Christians in high school and adult years, we've had lots of great conversations on that podcast. Uh, and the Soul Revival Digital Gatherings you can also find on your podcast feed and on YouTube. 
But as we finish up, uh, Dave, the last thing we like to do here uh, is to give everyone a one-way. Um, one-way. One-way to Jesus. But I think today it might be relevant if we give you the shuckers as well. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Excellent. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.